Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. If you call 911, if you let me leave, I will not tell anyone that this happened. I will tell everyone that this is my fault. Welcome to the I Did Not Sign Up For This podcast, a weekly show dedicated to highlighting the incredible stories of everyday people. No topic is off limits. Join me as we explore the lives and experiences of guests through thought-provoking, unscripted conversations. And if you enjoy this show and would like to support this podcast, consider joining my Patreon. You'll gain instant access to over 70 exclusive bonus episodes entries into giveaways, a discount on merch, and more. Your support allows me to continue bringing you these important stories. So head over to patreon.com slash I did not sign up for this and become part of the community. I'm your host, Carling, a Canadian queer identifying 30-something year old providing a platform for the stories that need to be heard. Good morning, Lexi. Good morning. How's it going? It is going very well. I'm really excited to be here today. My gosh, thank you so much. That's so nice. What's your weekend looking like? I just went to a concert last night, so that was fun. Ooh, and who was it? Who did you see? I saw Logic. That's my my oh. boyfriend's favorite artist. I made him go. Cute. I'm a Taylor Swift fan. I made him go to a Taylor Swift concert last <laughs> week. So I got I surprised him with tickets for his birthday to Logic. He really wanted to go, and it was a lot of fun. Oh, that's fun. How was Taylor Swift? Amazing. <laughs> I am so obsessed with her. I it was such a I saw her like walking past me and she was like a couple of feet <gasps> away. And I was like, I can never do anything ever again <laughs> for the rest <laughs> of my life. That's amazing. My stepdaughter's 12 and is like desperate. We just keep waiting because <laughs> we keep hearing like she's gonna release Canadian dates and I don't know. Yeah. Like, I think it was just Brazil. They came out just on June 1st. And she did say lots more international coming out. So I think that she's definitely coming to Canada. So I think that'll be. I would think so. Yeah. It is so nice to meet you. Yeah. So nice to meet you. Thank you. I've been following you on TikTok where I find a lot of people. And I reached out and you were so kind to be willing to share your story on here. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah. Your story is incredible. And yeah, I'm excited to get into it. So I would love it if you could introduce yourself and then we'll find out where your story starts. Sure. So my name is Lexi Alexa. I guess people are calling me all different things right now, but I usually go by Lexi. I am a 23-year-old about to graduate college student. I'm a Division One athlete in the sport of track and field. I'm an equestrian previously before... I went back to college, which I just returned to two years ago. I did horses as a career. That's a bit about me. And I got involved in TikTok just randomly. I enjoyed making videos. And then I decided to talk about this and hope maybe like a couple people would see a video so I could clear up some rumors about me that were like going around town for the last several years. And the video ended up going viral. And I'm here pretty cool though yeah that is cool it sounds like you've had so many adventures but what we're here to talk about so you made a post about an incident like a really crazy 
incident where a group of people tried to kill you. Yes. Um, so like where, I don't even know, where does your story begin? I'm trying to think of where to take this from. It starts out around the age of 13 and 14. So first of all, when I had almost died, I was 16, but it happened in December of 2015. So my birthday is November 25th. So I literally had just turned 16. So I was in a relationship when I was like between 13 and 16 years old that was quite abusive. And the people that were all involved in this event were also friends of his. Yeah, at the time, it just seemed like a childish relationship. And I didn't really fully understand the issues. And until, you know, I ended up almost dead in a hospital bed. And was he older? So he was... I think he was like a year or two older than me. He wasn't much older, but the people that he was friends with were older than him. So they were adults. But then I was best friends with someone else that he knew that was actually a little bit younger than me. And if you've seen like any of the TikToks, I refer to like my female best friend a lot, who obviously I don't talk to anymore, but she was involved in this. So the two people that were in the room, I believe both of them were adults, although one of them, I'm not entirely sure what his age is. Then the girl in the room was younger than me. So there were three people. So how did you guys meet when you started dating? I had met him just through mutual friends. We had known the same people. Did your family or did anybody around know that it like wasn't really a healthy relationship? Yes and no. I don't think any of my family did. But there was a time where none of the people that I was really surrounded with besides his friends and people that like were in close relationships with him and had something to gain out of the situation. None of my friends liked him. They had told me like he's bad news. Of course, we all have social media, but his social media accounts were like literally hate accounts for people of anyone of color, anyone of a different sexual orientation. He would just make the most like horrific remarks. And I was like, I knew that and I used to get into fights with him about it, but then it turned into even more abusive and then I just kind of became afraid of him. And I was like, I'm not going to say anything anymore because I was so scared of like being attacked for doing any of that. And they would be like, what are you doing? Why this isn't you? I was just like, I don't know, maybe it it is me now. And of course I didn't actually think that, but I was so scared of the violence that he was like inflicting on me and as a child I didn't know who to turn to and I had actually I had turned to I went and talked to the school counselor and I had said that I felt like he was very violent there was a particular incident where he told me that he was bringing a knife around me with the intent of hurting me or hurting someone if I had told anyone or whatever and showed it to me and so I went and told my school counselor And I know that at that time it was looked into and he was like searched. They didn't find anything. And I remember like going to his social media profiles that night, hoping it would end. And he just wrote like a whole long rant about whoever told this like thing. The thing is, I know that he did have a knife on him because he had shown it to me. I don't know if he had realized that like I was going to tell someone or whatever, but I remember at the time he was like, ha ha, you thought that you could catch me and whatever. And so I felt really trapped in the relationship and also when he went around like my parents he was perfectly nice so they're like ah this cute kid he's so nice and and I don't think that they were super aware and I was hiding it from them I asked him to block them on social media and I was just like 
looking back, that should have been a massive red flag. But I was like, I don't know. That's what all 14-year-olds in relationships do. We all make mistakes. But it, this was a lot further from like a simple childhood mistake where I was like maybe, I don't know, like maybe drinking with my friends or something would be like we were just yeah. playing around versus I'm in an actually violent relationship with a horrifically abusive person. And I can just, at 14, you don't want to talk to your parents about anything anyway. And so if something like negative is happening, it just feels impossible to be able to talk to them about it. Yeah, I think that they would have listened. But I also was scared that if I had told them, they would have just been like, oh, you're an idiot or whatever and would have blamed me. Now, of course, with them knowing everything, like I know that wasn't the case, but it's so hard to like reason with your 14 year old self when you're just like, no. Yeah. And I would also try to pretend that he was the best ever. I made, after he like blocked my parents at a certain point, I made him block all of my friends. And then I just told them that he deleted social media. I then would proceed to be like, no, 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 he's actually like really good. Like here, insert something that he did. But like a lot of the stories were made up. I would be like, oh, he like gave me flowers or whatever. It's It wasn't true. I like went to the store and bought myself flowers and just wanted oh. them to be like, he's so good. Mostly I became scared that they were going to tell my parents. Because they're, then they're going to take him away from me. And I almost became addicted to the relationship because it was like, totally. he tells me I can't function without him. I'm scared of what's going to happen. And I don't know that there's life outside of this yet. Wow, that's so scary. So you're 14. What leads up to the incident? So the summer of 2015, I'm 15. He went away to a worst stricken country. He was visiting, and I remember during that time, I didn't see him for a couple months, and he would send me, like, we got into probably the biggest fights, but he would, like, purposely send me, like, war footage or footage of people dying, really disturbing things. One of the things, I've been a vegetarian for most of my life, and he would record videos of, like, animals being slaughtered and then send them to me. But then, eventually, he was moving away. He was going away to school, and... I was so excited about this. I was like, oh my God, I'm finally, I'm going to be free. He got home from where he was. And then there was like a two week period where I was like, I'm going to be free. I'm never going to have to see this person ever again. And that's amazing. I'm not going to break up with him, but we're just, we're going to break up. We're never going to talk again. That's not what happened. I went into some panic phase where I like started romanticizing every aspect of the relationship. And I was like, oh my God, I need him. I couldn't talk to him physically because he didn't have his phone. And I sent him like hundreds and hundreds of messages. I actually went back through these when my TikTok started to go viral because I'm in the process of writing a book. And I, I want to make sure I'm giving kind of an accurate play-by-play -play of how things went down. And I was going through these messages now at 20 years old. And the messages are all like, I am so scared that you are going to come back and you're going to hurt me because I messaged you like a hundred times. I'm so sorry. And I, and please don't yell at me. And I'm so scared. And, but I really need to talk to you. And like, I'm having these bad thoughts about you going away and whatever, something terrible has happened. It's just like panic messages. Yeah. It would be like, Hey, I love you. I miss you. I am so sorry that I sent you this voicemail or this message or whatever I did, because you're probably going to attack me for that. He did come back. He called me when he came back, which was like a month later. He was like, wow, you're such a psycho. You're so crazy. I don't know why you're surprised. Like you never did your job as a girlfriend while we were together. You're pathetic. And then I was begging him to calm down because I was like, no, oh my God, no, I don't want what you're going to do when you come back to happen. Please. I'm so sorry that I panic attacked for this month while you were away because I never functioned without you for my entire 
adolescent life, pretty much. He stopped having his phone more and more. He was like in a pretty solid school program. It was like a boarding school. I was still sending him these like loving messages. Like I was obsessed, quite honestly, which just because he had taught me to be that way. And I didn't think I could be a person without him. So I kind of, I started to trickle off and I continued hanging out with his friends because I thought his friends were also my friends. I had hoped that it would lead into like, he's going to come back and we're going to be in this relationship and he's no longer going to hurt me. And it's all going to be great because that's what I was telling everyone it was. I'm a traumatized child. I don't know any better. Anyway, his friends were really, a lot of them were really into drugs. I had no understanding how heavy that was. A lot of his friends, I talk particularly about experimenting with smoking weed, but his friends, a lot of them were like legitimate addicts. And I didn't know that because it was being shielded from me. And also I was a little naive because I'm a 15 year old child who like very privileged background where I've been shielded from a lot of this stuff with my parents and these people, there's no shame to like addicts. Everyone struggles with something. Yeah. But I had no idea. Looking back, they made comments about it. Sometimes they would mention a drug name by its street name and I wouldn't know what it was. Yeah. Kind of a funny story, but there was this one time where I was looking for witch hazel to you use it to like clean off the horses. And I asked my friend if she had angel dust. And I thought that was what it was called because they had been talking about angel dust for a really long time around me. And I was like, what the hell is that? And so I remember he had a bottle of witch hazel and he was like, oh, it's this. And I was like, oh, okay. So witch hazel is like the spray or whatever is angel dust. And my friend was like, you're a moron. And I Googled it and it was certainly not that. And I realized like there were so many street names for things that naive 15 year old me who like did not know any better because I came from like my privileged life where I never had to look at any of this. That also did make me feel like a little bit more manipulated because they did a lot of things like they, the people involved involved with the law, a lot of the time they got into a lot of trouble. They had a lot of around and they would do things like particularly they would take me places with that, with the idea that like I was the little white girl and I'm naive and stupid and I don't know what's going on. So I can be like a cover for anything. And I remember it getting kind of scary later down the line there were times where they gave me things to experiment with and I wasn't sure what it, I really didn't even know what it was later on but they were just like oh it's weed it's not a big deal whatever and I was just like okay yeah that's what that looks like I feel like everyone listening to this episode is going to be like why did you do this but no one had ever told me any differently yeah I can think of so many times in my youth that I was so dumb because I just didn't, I just like, trusted people and I believed what people said. And I think at 13 to 15, like, that's what you do. Yeah, I would do so many things. That, like, after this, I was like, I can't believe I didn't end up dead so many other times. When I first started trying, like, alcohol or whatever, and I was in that 13 to 15 year range, and I would sneak out of my house to go drink with my adult friends. And I look at it, and I'm like, you guys are the grownups in this situation. Like, you should taken someone that's like very clearly naive there was no way that anyone could have thought that I knew any better it was so obvious and then so we were like smoking weed on and off with each other and I had been doing it for quite a long time at this point they had introduced me to it it was something that I did enjoy doing but I was also like hiding it and being careful and doing doing the whole thing that a 
kid lying to their parents does. My mom's going to listen to this episode. She knows all of this. <laughs> she would ask me, I'd put in like eye drops and she'd be like, did you do something? And I'd be like, no, I just like eye drops. So the day it happened, there were a lot of red flags that something was going to go down because I had hung out with them the week prior. And I remember we had smoked together. This, this is an interesting detail in the story, but we had smoked together and I was like super duper nervous, paranoid. And that was like the first time that had happened. And I just thought it was because in mid-November, I was taking like a little bit of a tea break, as we called it. I was going on a tolerance break and I'm not going to smoke weed for a little bit. And then I smoked it again and I was like a little paranoid, a little nervous. But I remember this day distinctly being really scary because this was when I realized that I really wasn't maybe hanging out with the best people. It was the same three people that were there. And I remember one of the guys being like, oh, make sure it doesn't get out that we're like at my house because I don't want someone to come here. I don't want them to show up with a gun. And I was like, what are you talking about? And then that's where it dawned on me like, oh, I'm not just hanging out with people that are like teenage potheads. I am hanging out with people that maybe know some people and like maybe we're not in a good area. And like, maybe this is actually an unsafe situation. His friend did end up coming over. Nothing ended up happening, but he made me and the other girl who was younger than me go hide in the bathroom and we like hid in the cabinets. I don't know why I went back after that. And I still to this day <laughs> don't really know like what it was. I think I just rationalized it. We did hide. And I remember when they had left feeling like I was super fucked up. I, I couldn't have a coherent conversation. I remember I didn't smoke that much. And I said to him like, this is really weird. I didn't smoke that much. And we were not in a safe area. He was like, all right, just go home and get some sleep. And I had to take the train home. And it was like two or three in the morning. And I asked him, I was like, can you walk me and my friend, who is 14 years old, to the train station? And he was like, no, we're not like doing that. I walked us through a very unsafe area at two, three in the morning to a train station where the, like we were like putting eye drops in our eyes so we could go home. I had to figure out where we were sleeping because neither of us could go home to our parents because we were so messed up. And that should have, like, looking back, that was, like, the first red flag. And there will be a part in the story where that will make sense. But I just was, like, I was calm. We got on the train. We're lucky that nothing happened. And the night before it happened, so it was, like, Friday night. It happened on a Saturday. And she was just, like, hey, like, we're going to go hang out with, like, so-and-so tomorrow if you want to come. And I was, like, I don't think, like, my mom's going to let me come because... I just had to lie to her and she was just like, no, like it, it's going to be so fun. And I was like, my mom's not letting me go over there. And then she basically, she texted me and she was like, listen, I need a huge favor from you. Like she had done a lot of fuck ups and I had saved her multiple times and I had to have my parents save her multiple times. Like when she was getting in trouble, she's constantly doing like things that were illegal or could get us in shit. And she didn't ever tell me what she did, but she was just like, I'm in trouble. I need you to go and hang out with these kids tomorrow with me. I was like, why? And she was like, because one of them really likes you. He has like a huge crush on you. And I think that you guys would be really good together. And I was like, I don't think so. This guy, he was one of the th three friends, one of the two boys. And I did think he was cute. But at this point, I was like, absolutely not. And I was just going through like this breakup. I was hoping was going to come back. And she was like, oh, it's going to make so-and-so jealous. And I was like, all right, I guess I'll go and we'll hang out and it'll be fine because it's always fine. And we're staying for two hours and then we're going home. We're watching movies. I remember that. So I lied to my mom and I was like, mom, I'm going to go hang out with a different friend that my mom loved. And so I had to figure out a way to get 
to my other friend's house, I decided that I was going to, I was going to cross over paths. This is a huge mistake of mine. I was going to say that this friend, like friend that was involved in friend that's completely uninvolved and literally was never there. They know each other. They met and they now hang out. Sometimes I like random crossover events. I was like, these people know each other and we're actually all going to hang out because they're throwing me a birthday party because I just turned 16. So we're just going there and it's a chill night. And she was just like, I can't say no because it's a it's your birthday party. Like, what am I supposed to say? So she was like, okay, like, where is not involved friend? And I was like, oh, she's, I don't know, she's coming. It's a whole text message thread with her. That might be a lie. I don't even know if I faked a text message thread or if I asked her to be in on the plan. I think I had texted her. She's pretty mad when she was like, when the police like showed up and talked to her, obviously for good reason. So we not, we never really talked again. I don't really remember like how that all happened or if I, how that lie had went down, but point is it did. So I remember we went to that friend's house. We ate Chinese food. It started as like a chill day, but big, really distinct thing. She tells me that I think this happened in text the night before, but she was like, you need to look super hot. Like I'm talking like you need to wear a thong because I was wearing normal underwear because I'm 15 and she's like no underwear lines and you can't talk about the insert thing that I was talking about that she thought was weird. They're going to think you're weird. And I really need you to do this favor because I really messed up bad and whatever. And I'm thinking like maybe she owed them money or maybe she did something. And he's like, hey, if you can get your friend to like go on a date with my friend or whatever. I remember I was sitting on her floor and she was like, she like made an audible, like disgusted noise. She's like, like you look terrible and need to change all your clothes. And so she like completely changed me. So my clothes to this day, the clothes that I was originally wearing, which also made it harder for when the cops came, when my, we'll get into that part, but like my parents, what I had left the house in was not what I yeah. came to the hospital in. And I had changed into the outfit that she thought was appropriate. She was putting makeup on me and then she handed me mascara and she was like, keep applying it. If you think you have enough, you don't have enough. And I had, I just gotten my braces off. They were just the bottoms and not the tops. And she was like, you look like so immature and was like making fun of me. And we were talking about ways to like make me hotter and like more grown up. So I was like, okay, whatever, but she's my best friend. And you know what? Like, I, I trust you because everyone always liked her and they didn't like me. And they didn't like me because I don't think there was like much of an excuse to be as terrible as some kids were with like the bullying. But a lot of kids didn't like me because I was very naive and stupid and didn't have a whole lot of awareness about things that were going on. We have her dad drive us to the lie that we're telling is we're going to a movie theater and we're going to go watch a movie and we're actually going to spend like most of the day there watching this movie and they don't need to pick us up. We're going to take the train back. I remember we were like taking selfies in the back. Distinct. This is like my last very clear memory was we were taking pictures in the back and an Ariana Grande song came on the radio and I'm a huge Ariana Grande fan. So I remember being like, it's going to be a good day. And I was like tweeting and texting my friends. I thought nothing was going to happen. I thought we were going to the movie theater and then we were going to take this train home and we it was all fun and games. So we decide we're going to walk to the location of the guy's house, which is like maybe three or four minutes away. I remember her saying to me that I'm not smoking. And I was like, again, another red flag. Like we've gone through 50 of them at this point. But I was like, oh, are you taking a tea break too? I just took one. She was like, oh yeah, like for sure. And I was just like, okay, cool. Like I'll, I'll maybe like have a drink, but I'm not sure. When I replayed this back and especially when I like 
talk to investigators about it later on. She like sounded very nervous. And I remember being like, why are you nervous? And asking her, and she was just like, oh, like, I don't want my parents to catch us and whatever. And I was like, okay, what's, go what's going on here? She's nervous. My brain is like nervous because like I'm go on a date with her that's like also my friend that I don't really even know if I like and she's in trouble and I don't know. So we go, we hang out there. I don't remember like I'm pretty sure it was a three family home and we were on the second floor because everything started to obviously get hazy after this point. So I think it was a three family home and we were on the second floor because I remember like having walked up through somewhere. Either way, we got into his room. I remember there was like a kitchen and then there was his room and there was there's like a bed that we were sitting on. And then he's sitting in a couch in front of us. And then there was like another couch to the side. And the room literally looks like you would imagine any any room that you would go to like trip on drugs would look like. There were like strobe lights. <laughs> there were like, I remember thinking that and I was like, oh my God. And I was just like, this is like weird. It's not, again, it's not a weed smoker's room. This is like a room you're tripping on. And so there were like strobe lights and that was like stressful. And we were just like sitting down and everyone was talking and it happened very quickly where he was like, all right, let's get the stuff. He said, let's get the drugs rolling or whatever. And I was like, I remember being like, what is going on? Like just being like, this is so weird, but again, I'm going to be cool. So she quickly says, Alexa's smoking. And I was like, oh, I am. And she was like, yeah, your break's over. And I was like, oh, okay. And so he like lights up. It was a water bottle bong. And I remember he like puts his thumb over it and he hands it to me and he goes, ladies first. I was like, I don't know. Like, and I, I laughed. I was like, damn, why you got to seem like you're doing something bad? I like made a joke oh, about no. it. So he like laughs and he hands it to me. So I like inhaled and I held it in my lungs as you would. And I see everyone start going, like looking back and forth <gasps> to each other. But then he smiles and I <coughs> like coughing. And I remember right away just being like, that tasted weird. Nice at the time. I was like, that had a weird taste. And he was like, I didn't know that you were gonna, you were inhale it that long. And so I was like, why wouldn't I? You smoke with me all the time. We literally just, what are you talking about? And he was like, no, nothing. That just, that's some fire shit. And I was like, okay. And I think I said something like, what, you think I can't hang? And he was like, I'm not sure you're going to be able to hang with this. And I was like, what are you talking about? He was just like, nothing. I'm going to go get you some water. And so he goes and gets me water. I also don't know to this day because of the amount of drugs that came up in my system later on if he put something in the water because it was just a regular glass of water. So he gave me the water. I started drinking. And I think it happened, I would say maybe max like three or four minutes where I started to hallucinate. The first thing that I saw, I didn't know I was hallucinating. I like saw my grandmother. My, my grandmother had passed away and I was like hanging out with her. And it was like, when you fall asleep, you don't really know you fall asleep and you're dreaming. And yeah. then it's like a dream and you're just like, oh my God, that is what it felt like. I ran over towards her and she was just like screaming at me. And, she, and what she kept saying was like, Alexa, do you remember falling asleep? And I just remember it actually sounded robotic, but it was like, do you remember falling asleep? Do you remember falling asleep? And then all of a sudden I remember like in this dream, I like felt like a sharp hit to my jaw and then I fell down on the floor. And then I heard someone say, it's time to open your eyes. And when I opened my eyes, I was in the room. I was on the floor. I was being attacked. And then I like remember like my hair got grabbed this way. And I like tripped back into a hallucination. And I remember everything like turning to spiders. I had like horrifically torturing 
hallucinations where they were like spiders. Like my grandmother had like rats coming out of her mouth. I had a friend that died and I saw her, but then like she was like being murdered in front of me. Like the most horrific, like gruesome things. And at oh a certain point, I started, I was choked. Like I, I was choked against a wall and I was like fighting back. And I remember just being like, stop, I'm going to die. Stop. And I remember like my voice having so much seriousness. I was like, stop, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Please get off of me. And as soon as I started getting choked, I was like, <gasps> and then I like flipped backwards almost. And it was like, I was hallucinating. It would just be weird hallucinations like with my neck and like the spiders would come out of my mouth or I'd look down my hand and it would like disintegrate in front of me. So I was like trying really hard to focus on his eyes and beg him to get off of me. Fast forward through all of that, because there were like a lot of stuff, but it's so like hazy, like my brain can almost see the, what, my mind's eye, I guess, like what was happening still. Then I remember hearing someone scream. I remember at one point that my phone and I was going, it was like an iPhone 6 and it was made of glass and I was going to shatter it and try to fight back with that. And I remember like ripping out chunks of my hair so that they'd be everywhere in the room. And I saw an open window at the other end of the room. So while like he was like holding me, I was like, I'm gonna run to the open window. I'm gonna jump out the window because yes, I'm gonna die probably because I'm pretty sure we're on like the second or third story or I'm gonna get hurt, but at least it'll be on my own terms. And I remember I was like, please stop. I don't wanna be murdered. I kept saying that and I kept pleading. I was like, you do not wanna do this. You're not. And I was like looking at my friend. I was like, please stop. And how many people are in the place? Three people. So the two guys and the girl. Yeah. So they're in there while this is happening. I'm like, please, you don't have to do this. You can call 911. You can stop this. I looked at all of them and I was like, if you stop this, if you call 911, if you let me leave on my own terms today, I will not tell anyone that this happened. I will never, I will tell everyone that this is my fault. I will take credit for absolutely everything which is what I did, but we'll get there. So I was like, I will never speak another word to this. And then that wasn't working. They were still like, I was still being attacked. I was like, whatever I did, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean it. If I had ever done anything, if you don't want to be friends with me anymore, I will stop everything. Please just stop hurting me. They were just laughing. And I was like, I kept looking for things around the room that I could fight back with. And there's like nothing. And I kept trying to hit back. And then I remember my last resort was I started saying like vile things. It was like, you know what? I always knew you were a terrible person. You have the ugliest face I've ever seen. No wonder no one likes you. Or Like I, just, I was hoping like maybe I could get a reaction or I'm going to be able to go because I remember the door was like right next to me and I, I could maybe grab the door and I could maybe run out. So then I remember that someone screamed. I thought you said she was going to be quiet. I was like, what are you, like, what is going on? I don't really know how this part happened, but next thing I know, like, I went into a bunch of hallucinations. I was like going in and out of consciousness. I described this story very much like it happened linearly, but it very much did not. It was probably a decent period of time. But I ended up on the floor somehow. And I remember him screaming, you're going to wake up my neighbors. I thought you said she would be quiet. And then I hear someone come in the room and I am just staring like, in my like off hallucination because I was maybe going in every like minute or two. I guess I don't really know the actual timeline of that, but I remember right. I was like staring. I saw like the legs of the chair and I saw like his mother had come into the room and I don't think that he knew she was home, but his mom was just like, 
what is going on? You need to get her out of here. I don't care what happens. The girl's probably going to die and she's not, she can't die on my property. Get her out. And he was like, oh, you know, like I'm shutting her up. Like she's clearly not going to shut up. Just get off my property. And I remember she came and grabbed me up and I like ran past her. I remember I ran as fast as I could down the stairs and I grabbed the door handle and I like ran out into the street. My friend, the female, like running downstairs and she was like chasing me and she grabbed me. She dug her fingernails in and she was like, do you even know where you are? And this is when I, it really hit me because everything didn't, it was scary, but it was like nightmare. And I just, it, have you ever had a dream where you like keep falling back into the dream? Yes. So it felt like sleep paralysis. So yes, I was scared. Yes, I was begging for my life. Yes, all of these things are true. But the first time that I had the realization that what was happening was when I had opened up that door and like the sun came in. And she had said, do you remember where you are? Because that's when it hit me. I was like, oh my God, like I'm awake. I'm awake. This is happening. And she like dug her fingernails into me and like kicked me to the ground. And she was like, you're high and you're having fun. Now we're going back. And I was like, I'm not going back. And I remember I had this moment of like, that's the first time I ever said no. And I ran down the street and like, I, I run track. Like I'm decently fast. <laughs> I can run. And so like I ran and I started screaming at the top of my lungs someone help me I'm going to die they're trying to kill me and people were stopping because they're like okay what's going on and I remember seeing people like record so she says to everyone oh my god this is my sister and she has schizophrenia and I'm so sorry but she and I was like no don't listen all right I don't have schizophrenia like she's a liar she just attacked me I remember like my hand was bleeding and she was like your hand's not bleeding and I was like no look like I I definitely absolutely looked like a crazy person like screaming on the road and she was like she's just had a moment and she has schizophrenia really bad and please don't call 911 she'll be really upset and then people were like oh I'm so sorry. That must be so difficult. And she was like, you're embarrassing my sister. She has a serious mental health condition going on. I can't even explain how I felt as I'm like, I can't even keep my consciousness for like a minute. I'm falling in and out of these yeah. hallucinations. And so when I'm out of them, I'm trying to scream and I'm trying to get attention. I don't know if during the periods, if I'm on the floor, I don't know what I'm doing. Right. I'm not like seeing it, I guess. So I'm like begging for help. And I, I just remember the entire time I was like, you can have anything. Like I will, I will never talk to you again. I will never tell anyone. And I remember that the reason that she said that she wasn't going to call the police or call 911 was because there were drugs in that house that he was going to say that the drugs were mine. And then we were both going to go, we were going to go to prison. So this is like part of the reason that I do definitely think manipulation like played in with her even though I don't think her actions were excusable because I think she essentially did bring me to them. I don't know that she fully ever knew what was going down or what was going to happen. Right. And had the guys run out at this point? Had they come after you? I don't think that they did. I think that his mom made it like very clear you are not doing that. And they found out he had a lot of pending charges. So I think it would have been super like if I if it wasn't like clean cut, I just died. And I think that the reason that this was like a thing was like, it really looked like I died of an overdose. That would have been like my cause of death. Essentially, I had lethal amount of drugs in my system. And as far as the friends, what the investigators have said to me that they had assumed was and like, I know that something happened because she did confirm that to me like many months later. And she confirmed that with like 
police and whatever. We'll get to that point. But I think that she had thought, potentially that she had thought that they were going to like assault me. It was going to be like a rape thing, which I don't think makes it any better. But I think that she's just like, okay, like it might've been a situation where it was like, it's either going to be you or her or something like that. I don't, again, I don't really know. I get questions a lot because even when she was questioned about this, And I don't know if it's true or not, but she had said that she didn't know. So I guess empathetic in a way as an adult to that situation, because I think that stuff like this does happen a lot of times in crimes where like someone else was manipulated or they didn't always know. So that being said, she was telling everyone that it wasn't real. I think we got into like a physical altercation of some sort at some point, but Basically, how that story ends is I end up, again, the exact order that this happened. Everything that I'm, like, talking about, there's so many things, and I, like, never really remember the exact order because drugs were in play and trauma and memory and dissociation. And while I can concretely be like, yes, these things happened, this is the story, it was such a hazy time period. But I remember I was talking to someone, and she had told them, I think I might have passed out or something, but she had told them, that I was having a panic attack and this guy ended up happening to be a therapist. And so he started talking to me and I was like, no, you don't understand. I am on drugs. She drugged me. She attacked me. Call 911. He was like, your sister has made it very clear to me. Like you have schizophrenia, honey. And he's like rubbing my hand. And he's like, so I understand that can feel very scary. I was like, no, it feels like I had hallucination where everything was collapsing in on me. I couldn't physically see anyone. And he was just like, that is what a panic attack feels like. That's what a lot of my clients describe it as. And I like can't breathe. He's like, the hyperventilating is because of the panic attack. No, the hyperventilating was because I was I was dying of an overdose. And the medical professionals have fully confirmed. Absolutely. If I did not get to the hospital at the time, I would have died. I would be 100% dead. This man who I think was talking to me like, I, this was maybe like 15, 20 minutes like that this all started to when it ended. So I'm not like quite there yet. He thinks I'm just having a panic attack. I'm like hyperventilating in front of him. I ask him if he has any water because I remember I felt like I was like swallowing my own heart in like my tongue. Again, a hallucination. And he told me he had a Diet Coke because we were like right outside of the movie theater. I took this man's Diet Coke and I chugged it. And I remember it like poured all over me. Some other guy, he had walked out. And I'm like still screaming like that other guy had walked out and he was like on the phone with someone. I think, I I guess that there were also numerous 911 calls, which I guess makes sense because a lot of people probably called. But given the area that I was in, I think that it's common. And especially if someone on the phone was like, oh, this girl, like she's screaming for help. She says she's been attacked. So I see that this guy's on the phone and he's asking me he's like so what happened like what and he starts asking me a bunch of questions and she starts talking over me and he's like i'm not talking to you i'm talking to her say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill so i had my phone which again was like the iphone 6 and you know how there's like the emergency contacts on it so we were like fighting for my phone which i don't remember if it was broken at this point because like at some point my phone 
did break. I don't remember if I had broken it. Like I said, if I had used it for something, but I had tried to pull my phone or like fighting for my phone. And then I kept screaming like, hey, Siri, call mom or something like that. I don't really remember if it was Siri or not, but there was something on the phone. So somehow my mom got called and my mom answers the phone. She was going to a gymnastics meet with my sister who was eight at the time, my youngest sister. And she's with her friends. So I guess she answered and she was like, hi, honey. And I heard her and I remember I said, mommy. And I started screaming. I was like, mommy, I fucked up. I'm on drugs. She gave me drugs. They attacked me, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like screaming this. I was like, mommy, call 911. I'm going to die. I'm really scared. And oh I remember hearing what. And then I remember she like took my phone and she threw it and, that, and my phone broke. And I think that was because I probably had a tracker on my, like, I, I think my mom had my location or she was afraid that she did. Now my mom is alerted. So my mom starts calling 911, but my mom doesn't know where I am and is telling the police, like my daughter is in a turquoise sweatshirt and leggings and blah, blah, blah. And she looks like this the whole time. I look completely different and she doesn't know that they were sitting in traffic on the way to this gymnastics meet. So she's, I guess, on the phone, like crying and like obvious panic, but then trying to be calm and be like, everything's okay, sweetie. And she's talking to every like 911 operator. She calls her friend who's an investigator in the area and she explains the situation. And how they ended up finding me is that friend called every single police area in like the general whatever, every single 911 dispatch asking for, because they didn't know my name, they didn't know any of that, like basically describing the situation she gave tentative locations. They had people trying to track my cell phone, which wasn't working at this point. Basically what ends up happening is I remember saying, I was like, I can't do it anymore. Make sure you tell my mom, I'm sorry, since you killed me. And I like collapsed. I was like in front of this white house on a sidewalk. I collapsed and I started to have seizures. I had multiple consecutive seizures, according to the person that was watching from my understanding. And I, and he couldn't find a pulse anymore. They, this was never, I mean, that was what, like he said to the dispatch. So he gave me CPR. And is your friend still around at this point? So I guess she started running. So she like ran down the road and I guess someone chased her or something, or if it was the EMT. I know she got back there. From my understanding, someone gave me Narcan. That's always been what's written in the notes. And I don't remember if it was the EMT or if it was the guy on the street, but I know that she had said this part of the story. I don't think I've ever told anyone, but she'd she tried to tell everyone that I had a heart condition. And I must be having a reaction to the weed. And then that's when oh she ran off. God. And I remember someone saying to her, it was the EMT that said this, because when I got into the ambulance, he had said to her, I was like very much like drifting in and out of consciousness at this point. But I, had, I was like not fully there, but I had been given medication. He was saying like she would not have responded to that medication if she hadn't overdosed like she didn't have right. opiates in her system so I remember they took me on the ambulance and I could not communicate I could not tell them my name they were asking questions that I couldn't answer the only thing that got any reaction out of me was when I finally started talking I had said to them I have two horses their names are Polly and Lightning they're black and white that is the only thing I remembered about myself so that was kind of like okay like she's there but I remember they made her get on the ambulance and she started taking pictures of me and posting them on Snapchat 
and she was like they were like shutting the ambulance because they the EMTs were not having it and she was like recording me like Lexi you're my best friend Lexi I'm so sorry Lexi and I had like they had like oxygen on I had all of my clothes off because they were doing stuff I had needles everywhere because they were trying to give me like different medications see what they could do so the EMT made her get on the ambulance and like sit up front and she was like she has a heart condition and he was like she does not she doesn't but right now based on her EKG like my EKG was resembling of like having a heart attack so they were saying she's like I don't really if it was like an overdose or if it was uh, I mean obviously I responded to that or if I was having like a true reaction to it with like my heart but the medical problems I was having were all cardiac to this day I still have problems with it ended up triggering heart condition in me and I remember him like holding my hand rubbing it and being like I don't know if you can hear me but this person's not your friend and I whenever at whatever point I could start talking again I had said no my best friends would never hurt me and he was like no sweetie they (gasps) they did and that they didn't hurt you I got brought in there and I remember everyone was rushing in there were like so many people and the EMT had called the police and said I think a crime is in progress I need police to meet us there I need basically like you need to take evidence off of this girl's body right away we need to find out what's happening take pictures of everything do not let anyone touch her especially the girl she's with and as soon as we got off the ambulance everyone was like rushing around me and she had a water bottle and she kept giving me sips of water and they were like you cannot give her sips of water we don't know if we're gonna have to intubate her like she is in very critical condition she wanted that drug test to not show up positive so bad that she was trying to dilute the, oh my the drugs in my system and I remember them being like horrified like I was not conscious I remember it like happening but I was like very much like just there and she was pouring it down my throat and they were like I don't know what you don't understand she can't swallow she like we're not sure if we're gonna have to put her like on life support and you're giving her water <gasps> do not do that don't touch her they had like the police come in or and I remember they said that they were going to room we were going to room 18 or something and I remember this is no I'm 16 not 18 because I was scared that she had told them that I was 18 and that was another lie and they were going to think I was responsible for myself and not and my parents weren't going to get called and it was going to be a whole thing and then I like passed out again I was treated in the hospital they did all of this stuff and they had come in the room they had explained to me that like you were attacked you have a lot of physical signs and I was just like didn't happen didn't happen she says it didn't happen and so she came into my room they didn't allow her into my room but she snuck in and she was like okay so here's the story we're gonna tell them that when we were at the movie theater that you didn't like how your breath smelled so you got a mint from this big black guy I remember she was like very racist so she specifically mentioned that he was like a black guy so tell them that you got a mint from him and you took it but it actually was a pill and so that was the story she gave the police and so the police came in the room and I don't think like I lied to them because I really couldn't talk. A big problem that we always had with this, even to this day when people have looked back at my case, is that the police came in the room for the first time and got my initial statement when I was so heavily intoxicated, I could not talk. I couldn't remember my own name. And I guess that the only thing that I said is my best friends would never hurt me or some, it was like something along that li- those lines. Yeah. My grandparents came to the hospital first. And they had sat with me. I just remember feeling so bad. And like my grandfather was like rubbing my head. The EMTs were sitting in the room with me. They actually, they did an amazing thing. And they said that they were not going back to their shift. That what they had seen tonight was so disturbing that they decided to sit with me in the room, 
holding each of my hands because I was so scared and just crying with me, like rubbing my hand, comforting me, reassuring me. And at some point I kept asking everyone if I was going to die. I remember hearing people talking outside of the room, like, is she like, is she going to make it from this? I was in very bad shape, just like responding to the drugs and they were like pushing fluids. I was on you know, a continuous trip. They were giving me a lot of medication to treat the overdose. They were waiting for the tox screen results, which ended up coming up positive for K2, which is spice synthetic marijuana and opiates. But it had several ones in there. But I remember the most like distinct, I'm pretty sure was fentanyl, but I could be mistaken about that because I don't have access to the drug test anymore. But I remember that was like one of them. We don't know for sure which drug was the kicker, but I know that there was more than enough lethal amount and I had a catheter I couldn't go to the bathroom this is a whole thing and they even had the priests come in and pray with me because I'm a pretty religious person so my mom gets to the hospital and when my mom walks in the room I have no idea who she is I had no idea who my grandparents were either and I remember feeling scared because I was like I know I love this person I feel that I love this person but I cannot recognize her for the life of me my eyes were constantly rolled into the back of my head I was foaming at the mouth I was not able to talk to that there were a lot of things that my parents and my grandparents had said it was the most traumatic day of their lives by far. And were you physically really injured? Like your hand was bleeding? Were you swollen? So, or There were signs of assault for sure, but it was more like like I had been severely beaten or anything. I think everything was pretty healed within like a couple days. But then like, again, I had substances in my body. Like I was just like choked. It wasn't like I was dying because of like this. I do call it an attack because I was attacked. I wasn't dying because I was attacked. Yeah. I was dying because I had essentially overdosed on a substance. So the police had talked to my mom. We asked her if she thought that I would do this myself because that's what I was telling them. She said no. And they basically said, okay, do you think she would lie for someone else? And she said that it's possible. But at that point, the blackmail had kind of started. I was being told like, you're going to prison. You're going to, if we don't get this story straight, you're going to prison or he's going to kill your entire family. Like he has connections that are going to kill your entire family. Do you want that to be your fault? You promised that you wouldn't say anything. Now we're going to throw you down with us. That was happening while I was in the hospital. And I'm so used to like what I was explaining to you earlier and why that was so important. My stupidity is I'm so used to a situation where I can just be like, yeah, it is what it is. And that's what I really thought was going to happen. I was just like, okay, this is the most awful thing that ever happened to me, but my body's going to recover and I don't want anyone else to die because of it. And I was really scared of that. Now, An interesting fact about me that she had known and he had known, like all of them knew because I was best friends with them, was that I have have obsessive compulsive disorder. And one of my compulsions is like that I would be like, if I do something wrong, like someone else will die because of it. And they knew that. And it's all going to be your fault. I was also, unfortunately, diagnosed with drug-induced psychosis, which lasted for several months after (gasps) I got diagnosed. I think, I mean, I never left psychosis. I mean, I left like, I'm not in psychosis anymore, but we had no way of diagnosing it right then and there because it was just like, okay, this she's in psychosis still. They That got diagnosed a couple weeks later and they did have other mental health problems after that. I still obviously am diagnosed with PTSD, other stuff. But yeah, because I had psychosis and they would do things like actually all of the investigators or spies that we hired and they're going to tell us everything. And then if you tell them the truth, then your entire family is going to die. So they like really played with, I was not well. My mind and my state 
And essentially what happened and why no one was charged was because they did not have a cooperative witness. Everyone wanted to make charges, but no one could ever concretely get a story of what happened because they knew that everything that I was telling them was bullshit. So I wasn't willing to tell them. And I also didn't believe that they were helping me. So for this to actually like, likely, yeah, it would have gone to trial. There was evidence. We had, we have the 911 call. You can hear me like begging for life. We have, we had like security footage, all of this stuff at the time. On top of, I had made numerous police reports against my abuser and he was involved in the friend group. So they have like potential motive. Like they were like sitting me down and explaining all of this. And I was just like, no, no thanks. They could not get me to cooperate. And I told them, I was like, if you try to put me on the stand, I'm going to lie. And then you're going to have me perjure myself. There were like months where they were just like, Alexa, like you were assaulted. This is attempted murder and we need charges, but we can't really pursue the without you because they're going to get dropped as soon as they, if the police were to press it and it gets prosecution, it's not going to go anywhere because if I'm not willing to hand over access to like my phone and evidence and whatever Mm -hmm. yeah they could subpoena it but I think that their idea was we're like this kid has been through so much like from their perspective and I know this because I've talked to them since like I've been through so much we're really going to subpoena her cell phone and look through all of these records and try to force her to go on the stand and tell a story so it was really so much like trying to get me to be cooperative and that was not happening it did not happen whole time like I wanted the justice I actually used to sit in my room and write the victim impact statements and imagine what it would be like if I were ever able to stand in a room and tell them how much that this had hurt me but there were like many times like I was in and out of the hospital I had multiple suicide attempts because I was in such severe psychosis and I would end up like not even being able like one of my biggest hallucinations was that I was trapped inside of a coma that I had to kill myself to get out of because that was something they told me The truth is, I always knew. I knew from day one. I was telling my friends, my real friends, the real story. But I was so scared that if I had told these people that they tell me are going to harm me. So I never got that. But I laid her out that the girl had drug charges, possession to distribute, all of that. One of them has charges. I think the charge was assault on a minor or threatening of a minor. The other has larceny charge, a bunch of just, they all had various charges that existed after me and made it so clear that it, it was like, these were not just, I mean, everyone makes mistakes, you know, but like, these people consistently, even after yeah. what happens to me. And also I found charges um, before. I found charges from 2013 where one of them had attacked a police officer. And so I never got the peace with that. And then one of the other most heartbreaking parts of the story is that he had started a pattern of, because he was always with adults, he as in my abuser, me being friends with a lot of older people and then putting myself in these vulnerable situations because I'm in psychosis. So I'd hang out with a lot of these people. And then things would happen. I ended up being assaulted. Lots of things that went on for even years afterwards because I didn't really know what was like right or wrong. And quite honestly, I the first time that I had ever really even grasped, yeah, it was a story of like, mm, this happened, but I'm never telling anyone. I remember kids were like whispering about me and would be like, like that's the girl that like this happened to. There were lots of stories through the grapevine and I would be like, wrong kid, didn't happen. Like I was like, they showed up to the wrong house. It's a lie. And I tried so hard to bury it and pretend it didn't happen. And 
I never spoke about it. And then sometimes I would talk about it as cool party story, guys, that was almost killed, but never a haha. It was actually like yeah. so deeply traumatic, but I still wasn't processing it. But then when I started to go to therapy, I was talking to my therapist and I was like, wow, I just feel so guilty because of this, this, and this. And he was just like, oh, so you mean when they like attacked and assaulted you? And I was like, what are you talking? Like no one had ever used those words because everyone was tiptoeing around language. No one had been like, you almost died. This would have been a murder charge had you been dead. No one ever said any of that to me because they were trying so hard to not make it sound scary. Um, and yeah. then when people started using that language and I was like, oh my God that's what happened. And I thought whole time here I am being like, oh my gosh, yeah, this is a funny, not funny at all story. And as I get older, of course, now I process like mm, I almost died. Like yeah, a guy on the side of the road says my heart wasn't beating anymore. And he had to give me CPR. Like I was, I almost needed life-saving treatments. Yeah. Do you, did you ever find out it doesn't matter, but what was their intention like, why you, why did they plan this? As I was saying, like, I've never really, I guess I can talk about the part where I did talk to the friend. So it would have been like April 2016. She called me and she was just like, I don't really know what happened that day and what I thought was going to happen. Cause, and I basically asked her, I was like, okay, did you know something was going to happen? She told me, yeah. And that like, it was her biggest mistake because he had lied to her. And, and then I asked her what, what she thought the truth was. And she had said that, from her understanding, I guess what he had told her was that he does like heroin out of the water bottle bong or he smokes it, which like none of that really came up in my systems. But I guess he like told her that he smoked like heroin out of the bong and that I probably got like some residue from it. And that was why what happened happened. And then I asked kind of like about like the being attacked. And she said that she wasn't like really involved in that. Like she was standing off to the side, but she was the one yeah. that was like, yes. And then she told me that she wakes up screaming every night thinking about it. And it's the most horrific thing that ever happened to her. And at that time, I remember being like, why'd you call me? And still to this day, like it is hard when retelling the story to remember how deep the betrayal was and how much like she tried to convince everyone that it wasn't happening. But yeah, I mean, that's essentially like what happened. My God, that's just so scary. And I think relatable in that, like we've all been 13, 14, 15 and made some super questionable decisions. You know, it could yeah. happen to anybody. Yeah, I think that's like kind of what what's so important to me with sharing my stories, especially as a victim of like having been abused as a child and not really being super aware I think like it's important to talk about these things because my hope is like maybe someone would become aware of their own abuse because I'm talking about it wow well I'm so thankful that again that you like shared your story with me I know that you've yeah. shared it on TikTok and I think it's yeah it's such a scary story but one that needs to be heard oh, thank you so much I'm glad that you're like in university doing track and it sounds like you're on a much better path. Yeah, life is definitely much better than it was a couple of years ago, which I'm really grateful yeah. for. Oh, that's amazing. I will let you get on with your day, but thank you again so much. It was really great chatting with you. Yeah, thank you. All right. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode. I hope you found our conversation informative and entertaining. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to follow me on social media, share this podcast with your friends, and leave a review at ratethispodcast.com slash I did not sign up for this. Your support means the world to me. 
If you want more interviews, exclusive content, and ad-free episodes, join the Patreon at patreon.com slash I did not sign up for this. I hope you all have a fantastic week ahead and we'll talk soon. Hey there. Welcome to 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. I'm Lindsay, and I'm joined by my co-host and real-life partner, Carling. We're diving into the 90s hit drama through today's lens. Get ready for our off-the-cuff commentary and peeling back the layers of the Camden family. We'll tackle everything from family rules, life lessons, and 90s fashion. Join us every week for a light-hearted queer perspective and a trip down memory lane. Whether you're a die-hard fan or new to the show, this recap is for you. So find us anywhere you get your podcasts at 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap.